We're so excited that you're at the bridge today. And we had a lot of guests come in after we had the official welcome. So we're so excited that you're here with us today. And you may not know what our mission is. Now, all of our regular attenders and members are supposed to. I'm not going to put you on the spot right now. But I want us to remember what our mission is because it's so important. And our mission is to be God's bridge to all people, a span across the gap of where they are now to where God created them to be. And this morning, that's what we want to be to you. We want to be God's bridge to you, a span across the gap of where you are right now in your walk with God, with your walk with Jesus, to where he created you to be. In doing so, We've under, been undergoing a series that we started at the beginning of the year and that we're going to conclude next weekend called Jumpstart. Jumpstart your life, jettison your junk. They go together. To jumpstart our life in a productive, positive way, sometimes we've got to get rid of some stuff from our lives. And we've been jettisoning some junk that, that we kind of carry around and we're determined not to carry into another new year. Today we're going to talk about jettison your circumstantial strongholds. The theme verse for this series comes from Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 that declares this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. In other words, Jesus died on the cross that we might have freedom, that we might have peace that we might live this life differently than those who don't have peace, who don't have Jesus. He's made us free from so many of life's circumstances and challenges that drag so many people down and put them in a spiral death into depression, into despair. And so today, we want to talk about jettisoning our circumstantial strongholds because our circumstances often is what pull us back into slavery. They rob us of the sense that we have been set free by Jesus Christ. Negative circumstances come, and, and all of a sudden we lose hope, we lose confidence, and, and we start going right back into the things that we used to do before we came to faith in Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about these strongholds today. And this message is going to be very, very important for a lot of people here today. You say, well, how do I know that? Because it comes from God's Word. Number one, and number two, because so many people after the first service came to me and said, this is exactly what I needed today. You might be one of those men. You might be one of those women that this message is going to speak to you very intimately this morning, and it's going to be a message of encouragement and hope. So how about some hard facts about hard times? Let's just get it out in the open so that we know what we're dealing with. Number one, hard times are inevitable. It's not if they come, it's what? When they come. Now, you know what I love about Scripture and I love about Jesus? He was always up front with us about that. Look, look what Jesus says in John 16, 33. He says, in this world, you will what? You'll have trouble. Don't you love Jesus? I love his honesty. You know, he, he could have said, you know, if you follow me, then everything's going to go smooth. If you follow me, I'm going to make your path. No, he, he's right off the bat. He says, listen, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Just mark it down. Later, Peter, one of the original 12 disciples, in his first letter in the New Testament that we call 1 Peter, says this in chapter 4, verse 12. Peter is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. 
In other words, when life turns on us and negative things come into our life, both Jesus and Peter agree that we shouldn't react to that by saying, oh, what's going on? Why is this happening to me? So why not? Because that's what's going to happen in life. It's going to happen. Hard times are going to come. They're inevitable. Also, they're unpredictable. And this is what makes it so staggering sometimes, so difficult to work with, is that they're unpredictable. Jeremiah, a great Old Testament prophet, they often called the weeping prophet. And in his Old Testament book named, bearing his name, Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 20, it says, disaster follows disaster, the whole land lies in ruin. In an instant, my tents are destroyed, my shelter in a moment. Have you noticed that when hard times come, they can come really quickly? Just like that. I mean, one day, you, you get out in your car and you're driving to work just like you have every other day for, for years, and it's that day on the Palmetto. Somebody cuts you off and gets you spinning, your car's rolling down the highway. I mean, in an instant. In an instant, you just walk into your job and you're expecting another week, and all of a sudden you get to your desk and there's a pink slip laying on your, on your, on your desk. Just like that, in an instant. Your whole life is turned upside down. Going to the doctor, just going for the routine examination like we do every year and we should do, and all of a sudden this time something pops up. See, everything can change. They're unpredictable. Don't you wish we could pick the times when hard times visit us? Man, do I wish I could pick the hard times. But we can't. They're inevitable and they're unpredictable. They're also impartial. And I love that about God too. Jesus, again, says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, Jesus says he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, Jesus says this. That good times are going to come to all people, and bad times are going to come to all people. God is not impartial. Just because we are God followers, just because we're Christ's followers, doesn't make us immune from hard times. We don't have some kind of special favor with God. We have special power, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But we don't have special favor. God allows good times to visit evil people. He allows good times to visit righteous people. He allows hard times to visit evil people. He allows hard times to visit righteous people. Their hard times are impartial. Now, remember this, though. Hard times are temporary. I love this passage. 1 Peter again, chapter 1, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. In other words, the Holy Spirit writes them to say, Rejoice greatly in this. Now, right now, for a little bit of time, you may be going through some hard times. Now, I want, you to sh- I want to show you practically how true this is today. Now, life is never perfect, is it? None of us ever are experiencing utopia, where just everything is absolutely the way we would want it to be. But life is not always filled with really, really severe challenges and hardships either. So right now, I want by show of hand. You're here today, and this is not one of the chapters in your life where you're going through particularly hard times. Again, not perfect, but you don't have any catastrophic events going on in your life right now. Just raise your hand. Would you raise it up? Okay, you you don't have any catastrophic things going on in your life. Now, keep it up. Keep it up. Don't put it down. Now, how many of you who have your hand up have gone through hard times? See? Everyone's hand stayed up. So what does this tell us? Even those who right now are not going through hard times, have gone through hard times. Because they're inevitable. They're impartial. They're unpredictable. But what, does, what do we just see? They're temporary. See, because those same people who said, yeah, I've gone through some really hard times, right now, today, 
in this part, in this chapter of their life journey, they were able to say, you know, but right now it's not. Right now things are going, you know, pretty good, not perfect, but, but I'm not dealing with anything that is really life crisis in nature. And so you might be here today and you're experiencing a chapter in your life journey that is filled with some crisis. Well, what I want to show you from that show of hands today is it's temporary. You've been through hard times before, you come through them, and you had that period of time where you weren't, and now you're back in a hard time, and this period will pass also. So they're temporary. Now, don't miss this one. Hard times are purposeful. Don't miss this. Don't miss that. Especially if you're a Christ follower. They're not random. They're purposeful. Back to that same passage in 1 Peter chapter 1. We read verse 6 where it said, In this you greatly rejoice, now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now look what it goes on to say. This, these have come, these trials have come, so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now, there's a whole lot in that passage of Scripture right there. But it tells us that, especially for we who are Christ followers, and we've trusted Christ as our Savior, we want to honor him with our lives. We know that trials come. God allows those to come for periods of time in order to test our faith, to prove our faith. Now, prove our faith to who? Well, prove our faith to God. You know, it's really easy to lift our hands and sing praises to God and easy to come to church and praise his name and all that when things are going good in our life. It's really easy. Not as easy when the bottom falls out of life, isn't it? Then we want to try to isolate. We want to try to pull away. And oftentimes we don't even want to come to church. And sometimes we even blame God for the circumstances. And in fact, sometimes we could blame him because they're sent by him not to punish us, not to crush us, but to make us stronger. So we prove our faith to God. When we're going through hard times and we're still praising God and we're still faithful to God and we're still reading our Bible and we're still serving him and we're still inviting people to church and we're still doing everything we can, then God looks down with a big smile on his face and says, look at the maturity. A year ago, he couldn't have done that. A year ago, she'd have been falling apart. But, But look at where they've come. We also prove our faith to others. Again, when things are going great in our life, it's... It's easy to, to praise God. And so others look at our life and sometimes they, they think, oh, your life is just so smooth and God just makes everything happen so good for you. So sometimes they have to see that, oh, no, that's not always true. That sometimes we go through some really tough times too. And see, it's when we stay faithful in the hard times, in the difficult times, that we really prove our faith to be genuine to those who are looking every day at us at work. Who At work, they know us to be righteous and people filled with integrity and give an honest day's work for an honest day's wage and we don't cut corners and we don't cheat people and and we don't cuss and we don't tell dirty stories and we don't do all that kind of stuff and so they know us and we talk about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, well when they're really going to listen to us about our relationship with Jesus Christ is when they know things are going tough in our life. See, that's when we're going to say, boy, there really is something different about Jesus because if I was going through what she's going through, I don't know if I could handle it. But then we also prove our faith to ourselves. See, we're supposed to be maturing 
as believers in Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we can see that maturity is the way we react to adversity. Now, all of us, I'm sure, who have been around and we've matured in Christ some, can look back at times of our life that at that moment we thought there was nothing that could ever happen worse in life. But now we look back at that circumstance and we go, Pfft. you know, Satan would throw that one at us now. We'd go, are you kidding? Get behind me, Satan. I ain't going to work this time. See, as we mature and as we begin to gain more confidence going through the difficult times, we not only prove our faith to God to prove the others, but we prove it to ourselves. And that helps us to be even more confident and more strong and have that confidence that we will get through this because hard times are temporary, right? So, so all these things we put together. So he says, these have come so that your faith, and understand, in the long picture, in, in, in eternity, the greatest thing that will bring us rewards and will impact our eternal experience is our faith that we live right now. And it says, these things, these trials, these temporary interruptions that happen in our life have come to prove our faith genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. Here's where we really get the rewards for faithfulness during hard times is when we stand before Jesus one day. See, that's what he can reward us for. I mean, if he just blessed us all the time and gave us everything we wanted and everything we needed and we never had any hiccups in the road, what is he going to reward us for when we stand before him? You know, do we re reward our, our, our kids always just for being alive? Well, too many are these days, but that's a whole other sermon for a whole other time. But no, see, it's when we can really genuinely reward them and praise them. And that's what Jesus wants to do. When, when you stand before Jesus one day, he's going to be so excited. Scripture says, this is a weird thing Scripture says. Scripture says in the psalm, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. That's weird, right? That strike you strange? But you know why? Because when we finally pass from this life and are with him, then he is free to bless us the way he wants to bless us and, and to give us his overflowing blessing and his abundance and our eternal reward and gifts. Romans 8, 18, Paul said it this way, writing to the Romans. He said, I consider that our present sufferings, and Paul knew about suffering. If anybody has ever lived a life with suffering, he knew about suffering. He said that sufferings, our present sufferings, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. One day, no matter what hardship we went through, whether, whether it was financial, whether it was relational, whether it was our health, no matter what it was, someday when we stand before Jesus, believe me, we're not going to say, well, I wish I wouldn't have had to go through that. I wish we would say, Thank you, God, that I had that opportunity to prove my faith genuine. It won't even compare. We'll go, Pff, that was nothing. Living it right now is the challenge, isn't it? And so what do we do? How do we jettison these circumstantial strongholds? What are we going to do with them right now? That's what we're going to talk about in the few minutes that we have. What do you do? You're one of those men. You're one of those women. You're one of those couples. You're one of those moms and dads. You're one of those grandpas, whoever. And right now, you are experiencing another chapter in your life that's filled with hardship. So what, is, what does Scripture encourage you to do at this time of your life? Four things. The first one that we want to do is we want to refuse to be overwhelmed. The 23rd Psalm 
written by David. It's probably the most known Old Testament passage in the Scripture. Just like in the New Testament, it would be John 3.16. 23rd Psalm is the, is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, in verse 4 of the 23rd Psalm, David says this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Notice that's a choice. He made a choice. He said, even though my times are so hard right now, so scary right now that I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death here, I choose not to be overwhelmed by it. I choose not to fear this time. It's a choice. And see, as we deal with our hard times, the first thing that we have to understand is we choose how we're going to react to them. If we choose improperly, and if we don't adopt a strategy that will give us strength and hope and purpose and direction, then our circumstances will crush us. But we make the choice to allow our circumstances to crush us. What we got to do is when that time hits and we recognize it, we go, here we go again. All right, here we are. Hard time has come. It was unpredictable, came out of the blue. Here I am again. I'm choosing not to be overwhelmed by this circumstance. That's my choice. So what are we going to do? All right. Instead, we're going to persevere step by step. Back to that same song. David says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Note that he doesn't say, even though I sprint through it. Even though I race. Even though I rush through it. Even though I do everything I can to get, get to the other side of the valley as fast as I can. No, what does he say? He says, even though I walk through the valley. See, that's one step after another. And that's how we have to approach hard times. If we look too far down, and if we're looking for that release valve, and we're looking for the light at the other end of that tunnel, and that's where our focus is, there's a lot of obstacles before that happens. And what we start doing is looking at all those obstacles, and we don't see the end. So you know what we do? We just take the next step today. Today, I choose not to be overwhelmed by this circumstance. Today, I choose to put my faith in God. I'll walk through the valley today. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I might not even have tomorrow. So why should I waste all my energy and waste today and waste the relationships I can enjoy today with people and waste the energy I have for today? Why should I waste it on something way down there? I'm going to just walk today. I'm taking one more step in a healthy direction. And that's what Scripture encourages you to do today. If you're that man, you're that woman who's in a difficult time of life right now, don't look too far down the road. Just take one step at a time. I try to get out in the mornings and do a three-mile power walk. And I, I, I hate it. I'm not one of these people who get up in the morning, I was talking to another guy in the church, and he's all fit and all this, you know, and he's not an ounce of fat on him, and he gets up at 5 o'clock every morning, goes to the gym, and he loves it. I don't. I love Ben and Jerry. I don't love Jim. But when I get out there and, and do that three-mile power walk, the only way I get through it is, is I look directly down ahead of me. I don't look down in front because I get discouraged. I go, man, I'm only here. I feel like I've been walking all day. What, I've got a quarter of a mile? See, I just do my... People laugh when they see me. Step by step, step by step. And you know what? Pretty soon those three miles are done. And I feel so good that I did it. And that's how you'll feel, step by step, 
one step at a time. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't rush it. Don't try to race through it because God is going to teach you something with each step that you take. And also, as 2 Corinthians says, that God comforts us in all of our sorrows so that we can comfort anyone in any sorrow with the comfort that he's comforted us with. If we run through it, we miss all that. If we don't allow time and we don't allow ourselves to learn every step that we take of God's presence and God's power and and the hope that God gives, then we're not going to be able to give it to somebody else who may need it far more than we needed it. And that's what we are, right? We're the bridge. We don't attend the bridge. We are the bridge. We are God's bridge to all people, a span across the gap of where they are right now to where God created them to be. And sometimes to be that bridge, we have to have gone through the same suffering that they're going through. Embrace God's presence. That's the third thing Scripture encourages us to do. Our 23rd Psalm again, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. It's not that I'm so tough and I'm so strong and I'm not worried about anything. No. Because when I start looking around, I'm scared. Because this, this, looks, this looks challenging. The reason that I go through the valley and I choose not to be overwhelmed is not because I'm such a strong person. It's because I know God's with me. He's with me in that valley. And so I'm not going to fear it. Isaiah, another great Old Testament prophet, in the Old Testament book that bears his name, Isaiah chapter 43, beginning the second part of verse 1 through verse 2, Isaiah now is speaking the words of God to the people of, of Israel. And he says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Now, remember, God says many times in scriptures, we looked at it just a couple weeks ago during the state of the church address, God says, I am the Lord. I do not change. So even though he speaks these words in the Old Testament, he doesn't change. This is who he is. God can't change. He just is who he is. And so in this case, he says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you have, then he's adopted you into his family. John 1, 12, yet to as many as received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He owns you. You're part of his family. He knows you. He knows your name. He, He says, I have summoned you by name. I've chosen you because I know that you have matured in me to the point that you can handle this challenge that I'm allowing to come into your life right now. I know you can do it. In some cases, I've even chose you because there's some folks down here who are going to need Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to allow you to experience this so that you can be a blessing to those people down there with the comfort that I'm going to give you through your valley. He says, you are mine. I want you to know that today. You're Jesus's. You're his. He's not some force out in the universe like Star Wars. He's real. He's personable. And you're his. And he's yours. Goes on to say, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When life, the water starts getting up and you're, you're struggling to keep your head above water, he says, I'm there. I haven't left you. I'm there. He, he, he goes on to say, when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Isn't it amazing how when hard times come, the seldom is one hard time? Come in bundles, don't they? And they just want to just, just sweep us away. Well, he says, when that river comes and you feel like you're about to get swept away, I'm there. I won't allow that to happen. He he says, when you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Because you're his. 
And he's made some promises to us, and he will keep those promises. So what you need to do in these hard times is you need to embrace God's presence every day. Manifest that and say, God, you are here. I choose not to be overwhelmed. I'm going to take my next step because I know you are helping me take that next step and you're taking the next step with me. Right now, just embrace him. In your hard times, just just give your heart back to him and say, God, I'm giving my heart back to you. Uh, You are everything. I believe you're with me. I believe you're for me. I am yours. You are mine. And God, together, We're walking through this valley. We're going to get to the other side. Finally, yield to God's guidance. Yield to God's guidance. Look what David says again. He said, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Now, David's a shepherd. He's writing about all this from a shepherd's perspective. And a shepherd... One of the, 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 the tools the shepherd uses is his staff, and we recognize the staff. It's, it's that pole with a little hook on it. Well, the shepherd used that for many reasons. The hook was there because if a sheep fell into a crevice, the, the shepherd could take that, that, that staff and, and hook the sheep under the sheep's front legs and pull that sheep out of that, that crevice. Now, if the sheep was ornery and wasn't, trying, wasn't staying with, with the, the flock, he'd take the other end of that staff, that, and that little rod, and he'd just smack that little sheep on the back side and say, come on, come on, get over here, get over here. Wouldn't beat it, wouldn't torture it. All animal lovers, I know people go, <laughs> it's okay. He loved the animal. He's the shepherd. He just corrected it, get it moving that, that sheep where it's supposed to be. And, and what's, that's a comfort. You know, you know what I'm comforting? I'm comforting the fact that God's with me. And that he'll correct my path even when I don't know where to go. He'll pull me out of the crevice. He'll pop me when I need to be popped. Now, I, I love Psalm 32, verse 8. David still writes this. He says, I will instruct you. He's talking, talking for the Lord again. He says, I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. All the things we've been talking about. And then look what he says. He says, but do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. He said, don't be like that. He says, I'm going to give you guidance. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to give you guidance. I'm going to bring all kinds of resources in your life. But don't be like a stubborn donkey. And that's exactly how we act. Oftentimes, when the hard times come, instead of going to his word where he can speak to us and comfort us and give us hope through reading his word... The Bible just sits on the coffee table. Oftentimes we stop going to church because I just don't feel like going to church. And, I don't, and, and we, we lose that resource that can uplift our spirits as so many of our spirits today have been uplifted here at the bridge. God will send a resource of another human being, but we'll so isolate ourselves that we won't take any phone calls and we won't see anybody. And God's saying, here, 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 here. And we are being a mule. We're not allowing him to bring the resources into our life that will give us comfort, give us hope, help us take the next step. Instead, and he'll do it ultimately, if this isn't getting it done, he's going to do this. He'll yank on those reins. But don't make him do that. He doesn't want to do it. You just need to follow his guidance. Psalm 32 ends this way, verse 10. Many are the woes of the wicked, 
but the Lord's unfailing love. What's that word? Surrounds. Surrounds the man who trusts in him. I want you to see that picture. His unfailing love. Just imagine God taking his blanket, his unfailing love, and just engulfing you in that blanket. He's everywhere around your life. So, so what, what do we need? We need to refuse to be overwhelmed. We need to, to persevere step by step. We need to embrace God's presence, and we need to yield to his guidance. Now, if we do all that, here's what David says is going to happen, Psalm 23, verse 6. He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, I'm going to sense his presence. I'm going to sense his protection I'm not going to get through the hard time. We're getting through the hard time together. And God will give us peace that passes understanding. Think about it. Now, everything we said today is true if Jesus is your shepherd. See, this message was, was for people who are his sheep. In John Chapter 10, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. That's really true. Think about yourself, those of you who have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Do you know more about Jesus now than you did before you trusted Jesus as your Savior? How many many know more about him now? Yeah. (laughs) See, my sheep know me. I know them, but they know me. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. The truth of the matter is, is that if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. But you, just by the position you still are in life, don't have all the resources that he could give you. But Jesus says this, I'm not satisfied with who I've got. There's other sheep out there and I got to go get them too. And when I go get them, look what he says, they'll listen to my voice too. And there'll be one flock and one shepherd. We'll all be one flock. And that's what he wants to do. And today, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you're here today and you're not absolutely sure what's going to happen to you when this life ends, here's the best news that we've shared all day. Jesus has somehow orchestrated you to be here today to give you right now the chance to be one of his sheep. John 3.16, the most familiar verse in all of the New Testament of the Bible. Many of us here today can quote this verse. That says, for God so loved the world, he gave his one lonely son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. That's his gift to everyone here today. You may not yet be one of his sheep, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want you to be in the sheep pen with the rest. And all you have to do to become his sheep is to put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Again, John 1.12 says, yet to as many as received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Ends the passage in verse 27 and 28 of John 10 by saying, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. I love, 
how he ends this. Jesus says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. No one can snatch them out of my hand. There is no one. There's no force in the universe. There's no human being. There's no power that can get them out of my hand once I get them in my hand. Why? Because he's the good shepherd. And he'll use that staff of his eternal power to overcome any force that comes against us. Don't leave this campus today wondering what's going to happen to you when you leave this life. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. I, I know that that's brand new for some folks here today, and it's a little overwhelming. So as you leave today, go to our guest services booth or go to any of the literature racks, and there's this little book entitled You Can Be Sure. Just take one home with you today and, and, and just read it. It'll tell you everything that the Bible, God's inspired word, tells us about how we can know our sins are forgiven and we have not the hope of eternal life, but the promise of eternal life with Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your hope. Thank you that we're not alone, as Jennifer and Sonia and Jackie shared with us in song. Thank you that you're there in the midst of it all. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you haven't abandoned us. And so my prayer, especially today, is for every man, every woman here who's going through another one of those hard times in life, that you'll use this message from your word today to encourage you so that they might leave here with new hope, new determination not to let their circumstance overwhelm them, to persevere step by step, to embrace the fact that you are with them, and then to yield to your guidance for your glory and your honor. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.